Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. Today we are talking about all things clutter, from our house to our brains, and Renee, who is a mom of three, an occupational therapist, and an advocate for moms who desire more grace, space, and rest within their lives, is going to talk to us about how we can declutter our homes and our mental spaces. She has found strength beyond her own to navigate life struggles with multiple miscarriages, life with three kids, working mom life, stay-at-home mom life, and a husband with a brain tumor and seizures. She's the founder of the Rising Moms Club, a community for moms who are ready to rise above the chaos and the overwhelm of life and busy days. Trade exhaustion and never-ending to-do lists for a life with more joy. She's the host of the annual More Than a Mom Summit and the Great Clutter Clearout Challenge, and she's the host of the Rising Moms Podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in to how we can declutter our lives. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Living Your Calling podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Hagen, and my mission is to help you step into whatever you're truly called to do. I'm a Midwest wife and mom, and I built my business and dreams between the moments of motherhood. I believe that you can create your dreams around whatever season of life you're in. I'm obsessed with creating connections, out-of-the-box ideas, and cheering people on in whatever goal they're chasing. This is a place where you can come to feel like you're joining your best friends for coffee, for real talk of what's happening in life and business. Whether you're working on personal development or business, friend, I got you. Each week, you will find an episode that educates, inspires, and helps you take action to step into your calling and live your best life. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, Renee. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited for our topic today. We're going to talk about clutter, physical clutter, mental clutter, all things clutter. But I first would love for you to just tell us what has been going on in your world um, the last couple of weeks. Um, We're into the new year when we're recording this. So tell us what is going on in your world right now. Yeah. I mean, so much, right? Like, I mean, if you just look at our our world itself, there's so much going on. But for me personally, it's been a big adjustment in the last few months as we've had like COVID numbers spiking here in San Diego. So I've been spending a lot of my time there inside the COVID unit with my day job, my like my other world life. (laughs) And then at home, I am getting ready and super excited to launch the Great Clutter Clear Out that's coming up here in February. So those have been kind of my two worlds right now. And then in the midst of distance learning and managing kids at home and 
you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think like most moms are dealing with that juggle of all those different things. Yeah. Have your kids gone back to school at all? Or have you been a hundred percent remote this school year? Um, my oldest started back in mid October, I believe. And then when our numbers really started to spike again, they closed school back down. So she went from like October to early December. And then my son, he went for one or two weeks before they ended up mm-hmm. shutting it down. And then my preschooler, she's been able to still go because they consider it more like daycare, essential worker type care. And so she's been in school consistently. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just the old, my older two, my, my nine and my six-year-old that are home full time with me right now. And then my, my little one goes to preschool three days a week. So what does that look like? So one thing that some of my friends and I have been talking about is all these, all these successful people that we all look up to talk about, oh, we have these like solid morning routines. And if you, you have to meditate for 45 minutes and work out and do all these things, what does that look like for you being a business owner and a nurse and taking care of your kids? Have you kept any form of normalcy in a routine or are you one of the people that have just thrown it all to the wind and you drink a cup of coffee in the morning and here we go? There's been a little bit of all of that, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of kind of rolling with it. I think for a long time, especially last summer, there was a lot of trying to figure out like we need a routine, right? Like our kids, uh, they need routine. Like we all do. That's how we function. And that's part of what I do at work and whatnot as a therapist is that idea of we be- we work the best through habit and routine. And so for them over the summer, it was really, really hard, like figuring out when's something happening. And I think that's why a lot of families struggle in the summertime too, with kids getting bored and they want to use an iPad or they have nothing to do is because it lacks that structure and that routine. So definitely over the summer and in the spring of last year, I was pretty good about getting that consistency back in. And then it, I, I feel like I still haven't quite figured out that perfect match for myself now that school has started again. Mm-hmm. We actually in from, what was it, late September through October, we did a seven-week road trip. It, we bought a trailer and we went and toured a bunch of the national parks. And we figured like the kids are distance learning. My husband can distance work. I can take a leave of absence from work. So let's go do that. So we did that for seven weeks and like living out of the trailer. And in in that sense, there was no capability of having any normalcy or routine at all. Mm -hmm. And so since then coming back, I just haven't really quite figured that jive out. I still like waking up in the morning and reading, but I have not been able to get up before the kids because I've been staying up way too late. I've been getting caught up in these shows, man. Um, (laughs) You know, like I, that's one nasty thing about the Netflix or the, the DVR type style is that you can like sit there and watch a million of them at one time rather than just one and then have to go to bed. So I've been staying up way too late and then I don't get up early enough. And then I wake up after the kids and I come out and I'm trying to read and journal or whatever. And I'm like, stop making so much noise. Stop making so much noise. And it's really hard. So we're still figuring it out. Um, but yeah, the kids are in school, like online Zoom stuff by eight in the morning. So I feel like after they get into there, then that kind of can be my time to figure out what do I do about work stuff for the rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. I love that you traveled. My husband and I have been talking about that because he has the same thing 
where he can work remote. And I've mm-hmm. been like, what if we just like left for the summer and we went and traveled because the boys and I during quarantine got really into hiking. I mean, I say that with quotes. I live in Nebraska. <laughs> we have hills like there's not real hiking, but um that has been something that we talked about also doing that I just think would be so cool that the boys are young enough that even if we did like miss a little bit of school, it's not going to be the end of the world. So I love that. And I so feel you on the late night Netflix. That is where (laughs) I have been too. And it's like, I feel like I just stay up late because it's quiet Uh and it's not even, and normally I'm a late night worker and it's not even that I've wanted to work lately. I just want to like sit there and have nobody talk to me. Yeah. Well, and I realized like at night is that's what I do. I'll tell myself like, oh, I'm just watching a show and getting some work done. But I told my husband, I was like the amount of like work that I actually get done if I'm working at night is next to zero. If I, and if I do it compared to in the morning, like my brain is just fried and toast from the day that it's not my most creative work. It's not my most wonderful work. And it's like takes me 10 times as long, but yet it's that excuse I keep telling myself. I'm like, oh, I'm just working, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, not working. Yeah. Which I'm sure kind of probably segues us into creating some of the clutter in your brain. And today we're going to talk about clutter in our homes. And I kind of laugh as this is our topic because if you would have seen my office, and I've said this in a few other episodes, my office used to be like my Marie Kondo crap room. Like I didn't know what to do with it all. It was, oh, hey, we're going to throw this away, but I don't know where it goes. Yes. So here you go. Oh, I loved it. It's a, I love it, right? Not throw it away. I've still felt something for it. Like, what do I do with that piece of art I made in college that I spent hours on, but nobody wants to hang anywhere? Yes. But I did like clutter it all out and it has been amazing. So I would love for you to kind of dive into what clutter around our home does for us mentally and, and why is it so important that we need to start looking at getting rid of it? Yeah. Well, so my story started back when I had, I was pregnant with my third baby and I found out my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so we went that year with me, like getting ready to welcome in another third, like another baby with three kids under five. And then my husband having seizures and going through brain tumor removal and like all of that kind of stuff. And then he couldn't drive and it just, it was a crazy whirlwind. And for some reason we decided to do some foster care stuff that year. And was like, why, why did we do that? Like it was just a crazy, crazy year. So we got to a year out from my husband's tumor removal. My daughter was about five or six months old and I was done. I was so wiped out, so exhausted. I was frustrated. I was angry. And we were on our 10 year anniversary trip. And I remember like getting out of the car and walking away from my family and being like, I'm not going home. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just cannot do this anymore. This is so hard. Motherhood's not supposed to be this hard. Like, on and on and on. And I reached out to a couple of my friends who we all had babies around the same time. And I was like, guys, I think I might have postpartum depression. Like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And they were all like, no, we all feel that way. That's just motherhood. That's not postpartum depression. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, then this sucks because this is not how I want to keep going. And so Mm -hmm. that was kind of that line drawn in the sand moment for me and realizing 
something I'm doing isn't working. Something's not clicking. Something's like the the habits and the way I'm living my life is just not going to work. Like something needs to shift and change. And so we came back from that trip and I started looking around. I'm like, where am I spending my time? What am I doing? What are What is so exhausting? And so much of it was picking up the same toys or doing the same things over and over and over again every single day. So I'd lay down at the end of the day and feel like I was exhausted and I'd been doing stuff all day long, but yet felt like I never made progress. Like there was just this hamster wheel, the same stuff over and over and over again every single day. And so that was the starting point for me to feel like I didn't really, I didn't follow Marie Kondo. I don't even think I've read her books. I have to admit, but it was that same idea of like, there's just too much stuff in our house. Like I'm tired of picking this stuff up. So it's got to go. And so I started clearing that physical stuff out and started removing it. And when I started digging in, the research shows that most moms are, well, when I've surveyed people, most moms are spending between three and five hours a day on household stuff. And the research shows that if you were to declutter your space, you could reduce that number by 40%. So that's like in half. So if people are spending five hours a day and they decluttered, you'd get back two hours of your day Mm -hmm. and still have your tasks done, right? Like because we're eliminating some of those. And so that was like a big light bulb moment for me was realizing so much of my time is going to this stuff that I don't enjoy, that I don't want to do, but has to be done. So if I can get rid of some of it, so I'm not doing as much and get two hours of my time back, what could I do with that two hours? And that shifted and changed so much in everything for me. I feel so much of what you are feeling. And that's exactly how I was. I had postpartum depression and anxiety, didn't know what it was. I was Googling it until finally I went and talked to someone, but I felt the same way that I was like, I had left corporate America and was home with my two boys. And I felt like I never accomplished anything, but I was doing the same things over and over, just like you were saying. And it, it's amazing. And it still is true because now we're all home that I almost was like, I wish that I would go to work because then no toys would come out during the day. It was like my house became, you would think that it would be cleaner because you were home, but no, the carpet has so much more wear on it now that we've been home and things like that because we were living in it all day as to where before we really only lived in our house for a few hours at night. So it was so much easier to keep up compared to now. Yes, I would say that. I was actually thinking about that the other day. Even in my house right now, with five of us home most of the time, with my preschooler gone just on the days that I'm working at the hospital, it's, it is, it's so much more because you're, it's like life, right? Like they're living, you're living in that space all day long versus one. And that was the other thing. Like in the past, I would be like, if I go do things, if I go to the beach or I go to the zoo or I go to wherever, the kids aren't in the house making a mess. And so it was almost better to get out of the house. And now that's been eliminated too. Mm-hmm. So definitely this last year has been way more challenging in trying to keep that up for sure. I yeah. totally agree. We're, we must be like soul sisters, but we live across <laughs> the country from each other. I know. I literally used to be like, I don't really care. We went somewhere every day. Yeah. We left the house by like 7.45, 8.30, and we would leave until we came back until nap time most of the time if it was nice enough out. 
So what is your best advice for someone who's saying, okay, if they're listening and they're like, oh my goodness, you guys, you, I, amen. I, I agree with everything you're saying. Where do you, where do we even start with decluttering? Do you start with a certain room? Do you start with certain things? What does that look like? Well, and I think each and every single one of us is so different. So finding something that's going to work for you is going to be key. So I know a lot of times when I work with moms, they come in and that sense, they look around their space and they're like, oh my gosh, there's just so much and it's overwhelming. They don't even know where to start and how to get going and what to do. And then that can even halt them from even making progress or doing anything in the first place because just the, the idea of having to do it all feels overwhelming. So I oftentimes recommend with my clients to do just 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a lot. But if you consistently spend 15 minutes decluttering, not cleaning, that over time, that that 15 minutes becomes exponential. And so over with consistency, it no longer is the thing where you're cleaning up the same thing every single day. Every day, you're getting rid of 15 minutes worth of stuff. That's going to add up. And that all of that is going to reduce the amount of time you're spending having to clean it and, and whatnot over and over. And so much of our life is all based around habits, right? And that some of my mentors say like the, the habits that or our life is a makeup of the habits that we've had prior. And so looking forward, it's like, okay, well, where do I want to go? What do I want to accomplish? And what are those habits that I need to get there? And having like a 15 minute declutter every single day can be powerful for that. And it can be simple stuff. It can be, you know, looking at your mail or like, Hey, today I'm going to clean out my drawer or I'm going to clean out, you know, the, 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 the bathroom, the bathroom underneath the bathroom sink or whatever. Like they literally, I try to teach my, my clients in 15 minute chunks. So that's number one. And then number two would be to look at that space that's going to have the highest impact for you. So oftentimes what people will do is they want to go through and do like a massive spring cleaning and they want to do their whole house. They like, they're like, Hey, it's declutter weekend. And it's this all in or nothing sort of idea. So that kind of goes back to the, the 15 minutes too, is that you're going to have more progress if you continue decluttering versus if you just do it one time. But with that, even too, they go through and they want to declutter the kitchen and the bathroom and the living room and the whatever. And then five, six months down the road, all that clutter piles back in. So my recommendation is to pick that one area that's going to be the highest impact for you. So that space that makes is going to make you feel the best if that space stays clean. So for me, that's the living room kind of kitchen space because it's all one big room. If that area every single day is put together to, to the most part, it's not 100%, but if it's the most part put together every single day, then at the, when the kids go to bed, I can relax. I don't have that feeling of, oh my gosh, there's a million things to do still. And it makes me feel more peaceful. It makes me feel more relaxed. It makes me feel more calm. And then I show up as the mom that I want to be or the business owner that I want to be or any of that kind of stuff. So finding that one space, maybe it's your bedroom, Maybe it's your desk, maybe it's the living room, wherever. And then focusing on maintaining that and keeping that one area feeling decluttered and feeling like your sanctuary space. What happens is that then over time, you can start to ripple into those other areas and it doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I've cleaned my entire house. Now I have to maintain the whole entire house all at one time. You're looking at this one area, trying to establish those habits so that you keep that one area 
feeling really good and that it, you get those benefits of that feel good, relaxed, peaceful, calm, focused, whatever those might be. And then over time, it will start to ripple into all those other areas. And this is really helpful for like if you have kids <laughs> that don't like to keep help because you can say, hey, spend 15 minutes. We're just going to run through the kitchen and the living room, get that area picked up, get your stuff out of there. And then you don't have to stress so much about like making sure their bedroom's cleaned every single day. You know, you can shut the door because your sanity is not dependent on the entire house being put together. Mm, that's so great. If you're anything like me, after listening to this episode, you realize that there's possibly clutter in more areas of your life than just the mess piling up on the kitchen counter. Taking a few boxes to the donation center is great, but how do we get rid of the clutter for good? You might have guessed it already, but getting rid of clutter in your life is an inside and outside job, and it requires a framework combining habits and practical strategies with not just support and accountability, but methodology for uncovering the emotions, beliefs, and attachments to clutter. Renee has created Your Life Clutter Free, a 30-day guide to help you overcome the overwhelm and chaos of clutter in your life. Head to the show notes for a link to sign up for your life clutter free. So when you say declutter, are you mm -hmm. meaning like finding a home for everything or physically putting things in the trash can and it exits your house? Both. So every single time you pick something up, you should always be asking yourself if that's something you want in your house. If it's, you know, from the Marie Kondo idea of like, is it bringing you joy? Is it something like, are you picking up the same item every single day and putting it away? Or is it something that's broken? Is it something that you really want? Or like, would somebody else be better off with it? Like having that question every time you're picking something up and potentially putting it away should always be asking yourself because I feel like so many times we're just on autopilot. We're like, Hey, I'm going to pick up this random toy and put it back in the bin. I'm going to pick up this and put it back away. Or I'm going to pick up and you just, we're just constantly shuffling things around the house. But when we're focused on, do I really need this? Is this something I really want in my house? Instead of just putting it into that home where it goes, you can determine whether or not you get rid of it. So that 15 minutes of declutter really truly should be stuff leaving the house every single day. And then there's those like maintenance habits of making sure that certain areas are kept up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. the kept up of the spot where all the school papers land and you know. <laughs> You don't yeah. want to throw them away in the sight of your child. My boys always, if I have to like, if I throw something away from school, I have to like bury it in the trash can because if they open it and see it, they pull it back out. And I'm like, no, but, um, well, yeah, and that we all have that spot in our kitchen. I feel like where it's like becomes the dump zone. And that is our biggest issue in yeah. like on our main floor, we just have this like desk space in our kitchen that becomes the dumping ground for everything. Mm -hmm. And that's why consistency helps, right? Like, cause a lot of, a lot of my clients, when they come to me, it's like the kitchen counters covered in stuff, the bat, the, the living room is covered in stuff, like everywhere's covered in stuff. And they look and they're like, oh, I just don't even know where to start. It feels really overwhelming. And to go through all of that may take you a while but the thing is, is if you have it so that if you clear it all out and you're doing it on these consistent habits, like consistency 
over time, it like, literally, I can run through, I, I did it on a, a challenge video, something other the other day, I completely decluttered my freezer and my refrigerator in like 15 minutes. And so when you do it consistently over time, and you're constantly clearing stuff out and constantly paying attention to that pile and whatever, it doesn't get so big that it feels overwhelming. It feels like, okay, I can run through and sort through this really fast and throw these things away or keep these things. Mm-hmm. And the, the the what was you talking about the 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 kids stuff is one of the hard ones i hear that all of the time and so it's funny is that our kids learn right they they learn from us what the standard is and what we're going to do and so for a long time i started i was like oh let me take a picture of it and i'll put it in your photo book and then you know we'd hang it on the wall for a little while or we'd you know whatever and so now my kids will run to me they're like hey will you take a picture of this and then i'm going to throw it away so like they've learned mm. that 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 it's no longer about having to preserve that piece of paper it's about the memory of that piece of paper, right? Like we want to see what you did and and still celebrating like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. Let me take a picture of it. And so now it's like that that idea of take a picture of it is huge. And it actually works really well when you go to the store and the kids want every stuffed animal or they want every toy or they whatever. They're like, oh, that's really cool. Let's take a picture of that. And we can maybe put it on a wish list or, oh, let's put, let's take a picture of you with that item. And they immediately are like, okay, cool. Take a picture. And then the item goes right back on the shelf. So it works wonders, like taking pictures. And then you can delete as many pictures as you want over time. But taking pictures is huge. I love that idea. And I have seen that. And that's one of the things that I have said I need to start doing. And my oldest is in kindergarten. So I need to like get on the ball of that before we get too far into school. Because I know like my parents have given me papers and my My, my mother-in-law has given me stuff. I'm like, I don't want this. Like really as a, it's a mom that really wants those memories. So I love that idea of being able to just put it into a book. Yeah. And then whether it's something that we keep as moms and are then as, as grandkids can look at it or we give it to them someday, that is a great idea. And I know there's other, like there's resources out there where like they'll take your entire Instagram feed and they'll make it into a book at the end of the Mm -hmm. year or something. So I've talked, I've, I haven't done this, but I've suggested it to other people where you make like a private face Instagram account for just your kids artwork. And then you can have your family members, whoever wants to be on there, they can look at that. And then you use whatever it's the Snapchat, not Snapchat, whatever there's like snap books or whatever they're Mm -hmm. called where they'll just take all of your pictures from the year and on Instagram and make it into a book for you. So you could do that so that it's like simple and easy. You could, you know, keep it on your phone and then they all upload to Google photos and then you transfer that to a, a photo album book online, like whatever. I'm all about making things as streamlined and easy as possible. So if it requires me to like put it on the computer, then upload it, then organize it, then it won't happen. So the fastest and the easiest way possible to make those things happen so that it actually happens. Oh, I love that. And I think it's chat books is what oh, yeah, I know right. one of my friends uses on Instagram. But I love that. That's super smart. I never thought about just creating like an Instagram account that's hidden mm-hmm. or something yep. like that. I love that idea. So I would love for us to touch on what does clutter do for our mental health and what does it do to us mentally? Because a lot of times I know you have said that 
when we were talking before how much clutter affects us mentally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, so there's a lot of research out there that talks about the physical clutter and the visual clutter that we have in our space and how that's directly related to stress, anxiety, overwhelm, feeling not good enough, like all of that type of stuff, whether it be in our home environment or a work environment, it has vast impacts, especially on like productivity. Like if you look at all the research in workplace environments and things like that, people that have a much cluttered more space tend to be less productive. They get less done. And so relating that back to our home life as well, like we have kids, we have, we're having to figure out multitasking and all that. But every time we switch gears or our brain is shifting, we lose a lot of our productivity. So that has one, like, just the research on that, like the physical clutter in our space is constantly telling our brains, you have something to do. There's something to do. It's not enough. Keep going, keep going. There's, it's just busyness, right? But in the flip side of that, our internal world oftentimes is reflected in our external world. And so like if our internal space is feeling overwhelmed and chaotic and crazy, it makes it really hard to even maintain any of that stuff in our space and in our world. So in our house and our clutter there too. So you kind of have to work on both. You have to look at that internal world and those thoughts that are going through your head throughout the day. And what I find is that so many moms aren't even really aware of what those thoughts are. They're just there on the back burner, like an autopilot. Those feelings of like you and I talked about, like not good enough. We don't want to do this. This is too hard. This is too frustrating. And our culture has really primed us that that's the way motherhood is, right? There, If you look anywhere on social media. People are talking all of the time about the hard life of moms and that it's so busy. It's so chaotic. It's so overwhelming. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. Like all of these words. And what that does is it primes us that that's the way mom life is going to be. And so what we do is we continue to tell that story inside our house or inside our heads. And so that's all we end up seeing. And so in essence, that's kind of what we create, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at that internal and that like, I call it mental clutter. So those thoughts that are running through there and like paying attention to that and rewriting those stories can change everything. Like I've had clients that are like, gosh, I haven't gotten ready any of the physical clutter in my house, but everything has changed for me because I'm paying attention to that mental clutter. And then when they get into that place, they feel like, okay, I can move forward and now focus on this physical clutter because I feel like I'm competent enough. I feel like I've got the space enough. I, I have enough time in my life. And then some people, it works better the other way. They like have to make some of that physical progress to create that space to then be able to focus on some of that mental clutter as well. Mm -hmm. But they really, you know, each person's a little bit different, but you kind of have to work on both at the same time because, you know, you're going to have people that have a pristine and beautiful and wonderful, like totally put together house, but still feel like crap inside because they haven't focused on that mental space as well or the vice versa, right? Like people that are focusing so hard on working on that mental stuff, but they just don't have the capacity to manage anything else. So you kind of have to do a little bit of that balance back and forth and figuring out which one you need to focus on first, but that they kind of go in tandem, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Like that's totally how I was. I know I said 
I cleaned out my office. I had this like time before the end of the year where I decluttered so much in our house. I even like took out the entire storage room, reorganized, did all this stuff because like mentally I was like, I just can't work because I'm looking at all this other clutter yes. and all this stuff and how good I felt when it was so all clean. And it has been easier for me to um, now accomplish work tasks and to now just be like, okay, now I need to work on like what's going on in my head. Yes. So I, I love how I can be in a testament to how true that is of, of what you were talking about. And even how you mentioned the word busy and yes. how, we all are saying, oh, I'm so busy, which is so funny. I kind of was smiling to myself over here because that's where the name of this podcast even came from because I was thinking to myself, well, how can I make a podcast that's going to grow with me? And what do I keep hearing mom say? And everyone is like, oh, just wait. You think you're busy now. Uh -huh. Just wait till your kids get older. Oh, wait till they, you know, and it, and it is so true. You think when your babies are, are little, like, oh, this is like the busiest I'll ever feel. And then grade school comes and you're like, oh, wait, now, now we're busy, but in a different way. Yeah. And so it is, it's true. And how people and how we think about what does busy mean to us as well. And yeah. that, you know, the clutter of our calendars yeah. um, even becomes something that is a whole nother topic that I'm sure we could talk on of how important it is to like keep some clutter off of like your calendar as well. But yeah, I think a big part of it, like you talked about, is just bringing that choice in, right? Like I am a firm believer that we get to kind of choose how we want to move forward. And so if you don't want to be busy all of the time, you can have that choice. Like we don't have mm -hmm. to be a victim to this cultural society norm that that's the way motherhood has to be. Like, yes, you can have a lot of things on your calendar and be going crazy with, or not necessarily going crazy, but like moving a lot and doing a lot, but yet still internally not feel busy and not feel crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I think that that's the big difference. And it all is about this like choice and what we focus on and what we prioritize. And so many times I feel like, we we're just primed to feel like, oh my gosh, it's just so overwhelming. Like we can't handle any of it. We can't do it. And if you took a look at my schedule and my calendar, I have a lot going on my calendar and my schedule a lot because I, I work part-time. I run a business. I have three kids. My, you know, my husband's working from home and I, like, I love photography. So I have like a little photography side hustle. Like I have so much on my plate but yet I don't feel busy because I've chosen not to feel busy, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And so I think there's so much in that like mental clutter and like what we're telling ourselves or what society is telling ourselves that we can pay attention to that and bring a lot more story or like our own choice to it and like rewrite that story that we want to create in our motherhoods. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just loved, and that's such a great way to kind of end our conversation. And, and even for me, it's, that when I am busy, it's that I'm choosing the things that bring me joy mm -hmm. because then it, like you said, like you don't feel busy because it's, you're doing what you love and it's okay to say no, because sometimes it's not your best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's all about the clutter too, right? Like a yes mm -hmm. and a no is about choosing what clutter you allow in your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the last question I always love to ask guests, if you could look back on yourself when you were deep in the little years of motherhood, what is some advice that you would look back that you wish you would have known then? Mm, I feel like 
the biggest thing for me was that sense of feeling like I had to do it all. And I've learned now, especially in my business, how important it is to delegate and ask for help and like take things off your shoulders. And so there was a lot of things in those early years that I was taking on and feeling like I had to do all on my own. And there, especially in that year that my husband had his brain tumor and, you know, I had my new baby and all those kinds of things. I noticed a lot that my community really stepped in. And there were moments when I like went to the front porch and there was a basket of crayons and paints and just little goodies from one of my friends or whatever. And realizing how powerful those little things were and how it, at that time it felt really uncomfortable to ask for that or to ask for support, you know, like ask for somebody to watch my kids or ask for somebody to drive them to school. Cause I always felt like I had to repay the favor or whatnot. And I'm like, I can't repay the favor. So I can't ask for help. So I think that that ability and that practice of learning to ask for help, because now I'm in that place of being able to help support other people if I needed to, you know, in those busier years. And so those moms that are around you in your community that are maybe past that point that you're at, maybe have the capacity to give you that you don't have right now. And that's okay because down the road, maybe five years from now, you might be able to pay that back to somebody else. And so don't feel like you have to repay right in that moment, but it's okay to ask for help if you need it. That is such great advice. And it is, even I had a friend that was like, take the blessings when you while you have them or who will give them to you. And it mm -hmm. is, it's so true. Because then once you get past it and your head's above water, we give to all of our friends that are now having new babies or family members with new babies because mm -hmm. we can see with clear eyes how hard it was. And we're just trying to be like, let me help you where I know that it was hard for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like now when I there's like a meal train or whatever, I'm like, oh, you better bet I'm, putting, <laughs> I'm doing a meal train because it was so helpful for me when I had those new babies to have like my friends and family bring meals for the first couple of weeks. I'm like, heck yes, I'm signing up for that for you right now. <laughs> like yes. even if it's just me ordering food, like I don't even have to actually make it. I can just order food for you, you know, but yeah. Absolutely. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, I'll make the meal train and I will bring you a Costco meal. <laughs> Yes. It's not coming from me. <laughs> yeah. And it's just all about that expectations, right? And that's where that mental clutter comes from. It's like, check your expectations. Like, what are you, what expectations are you placing on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. thank you so much for joining me today and chatting. If people want to reach out and find you, where can they find you? The easiest place is probably the Rising Moms podcast, or you can find me at therisingmoms.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Renee Fick or Rising Moms. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Your Calling podcast. If you love this episode, will you share it with a friend or leave a review? Make sure that you subscribe or follow so that you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from listeners and connecting. You can find us over on Instagram at the Living Your Calling Podcast or at Michelle Ann Hagen. Join us inside of our private Facebook community called the Living Your Calling Podcast Community. It's free, so why don't you join us inside? You can join by clicking the link in our Instagram bios or checking out the show notes. 
Join us and we will dive in deeper and I can't wait to connect with you. If you needed someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, friend, this is it. I promise that you are worthy of whatever is on your heart and whatever calling you are wanting to chase. I am proud of you and I'm here for you. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for.